Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio show and podcast featuring your physician hosts, Dr. Tom McGovern and Dr. Chris Stroud. And on this show, we will discuss relevant health-related topics and always from an authentically Catholic perspective. Dr. Doctor is brought to you in part by the generous underwriting of our friends at CMF Curo. You can learn more at mycatholichealthcare.org and you can live your Catholic faith in your healthcare with CMF Curo. Today, our guest will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us today will be Monica Ashauer. She is the president, co-founder, content creation director, and a speaker for Tobet. Not Tobit, the book in the Old Testament. Tobet, the Theology of the Body Evangelization Team, based in Irving, Texas, just outside of Dallas. And, and she is an expert on all things theology of the body. Uh, Chris, what makes this topic so relevant to our listeners today? Yeah, listeners will probably think, oh, body, uh, it's doctor, doctor, that's medicine. Uh, but no, that's not it. We're <laughs> actually talking about theology of the body. And more specifically, I think she'll be talking about this, this concept of identity. And, you know, we're being inundated today with this idea of identity. How do you identify? Do you identify as a man or as a woman or as a tree or as a bird? And how is this determined? I mean, what is about this identity? Can it change? Who am I? How do I know who I am? Um, why am I here? For what purpose? I mean, these are all pretty heady questions that fascinatingly are answered through a better understanding of the theology of the body. I mean, I mean these are serious, important questions that are being asked. And I would argue in many cases, the answers are being provided from people who have an agenda that may not be the same as you and I and our and our listeners. Um, and in many cases, they go against church teaching, sound reasoning, and natural law. So this really is a medical topic because it's, it's about the body. It's about gender. It's about who we are and why we are that. Uh, we need to understand this as parents, as, as healthcare consumers, as Catholics. Uh, we need to understand it, and we need to make those around us understand it. You know, I think I've almost been immunized against this topic because I've been hear about in, hearing about it for decades, and I think, all right, yes, we're embodied souls, we're embodied creatures, the body is meant, it's the only way we can be a gift to other people, okay, I get that, and it's like, if there's anything else there, I've just kind of got this shell around me, so I'm, I'm hoping that my my shell of ignorance gets pierced today, and I see some new insights that go, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm glad I now know this. But I, I just feel like, and I don't know if there's other Catholics out there like that. Maybe there are, and maybe what Monica says will help to open up new vistas of understanding for you too. Yeah, and this uh, you hear theology of the body, and you think, oh, that's about you know abstinence and don't have sex before marriage. That's that's selling theology of the body way too short. And I think she'll make that clear. But you know, this this is a critical topic. Just recently, you and I have done shows on this whole idea of gender affirming care. And that yes. has to do with identity and the body and understanding how the body's made and why it's made that way. And oh, by the way, who made it that way uh, and why? I like to listen to Father John Ricardo and some of his podcasts. And there's a prayer that he talks about a lot um, where he says, you know, with all the earnest you can gather, say to God, what's the name by which you call me? In other words, what am I? What am I to you, God? And why am I that? And what am I supposed to do with that? Well, that is right in Theology of the Body. And I think we're probably going to learn a lot about that with our guest tonight. Yeah, that question, who am I, is profound. You know, in researching it, in Revelation, it says that after uh, we're in heaven, God will reveal to us that name, which is only known between him and me, uh, that he has for us. Because we were in some ways we can't answer the question who I am except in relation to him. Yeah, but this is a medical topic because of all the diseases that you and I and our colleagues can help treat, if we don't understand who we are and why we are that and what that means, you know, antibiotics for a cold, they're really not going to help. <laughs> That's right. 
they they aren't. And I know that Monica spoke this year and last year at the annual education conference of the Catholic Medical Association. And I know that many doctors have been helped by what she said. I did not get to hear it, but she did share with me her slide deck. So it, it's helped in preparing questions for this. And I can also tell you that one of my 16-year-old uh, sons has been taking an online course from her on the theology of the body and absolutely loving it. So mm. I, I know that she connects well with people. And she travels all over the country talking about this. You know, we're supposed to be able to defend the faith that we have, right? Uh, and so understanding these topics are critical to us as parents, as consumers of information, and certainly as Catholics. And, and I hope it gives us a, a better language for talking to people who are confused about what gender is mm -hmm. as opposed to sex and about determining what your gender is, um, or even with same-sex attraction. How does how does that fit in with that? Uh, and I've got one question in there. I can't wait to hear the answers. How does this even matter to people who disagree with us on those topics? Is there something in here that's attractive to them that might get them to think in a different way? I, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, you know, so much of the rhetoric, and that's what it is, um, uh, around this gender idea it is just really sort of made up information. Well, we're going to learn in theology of the body. It isn't made up. It's natural law. It's why we were created this way, which is much more powerful evidence, we would argue, uh, than just the latest politically popular uh, theory that's floating around on YouTube. Well, before we get to Monica, let's go to our medical trivia question of the day. And the category, we get all these sex and gender things, and I keep having to come up with new things. So here's a new thing. Sex differences in metabolism. Oh. Okay, so there are differences, or are there? Question, in a review article entitled, Sex Differences in Energy Metabolism Need to be Considered with Lifestyle Modifications in Humans. Yeah, what a title. Published 10 years ago in the Journal of Nutrition Metabolism, the authors revealed which of the following three statements to be true. Only one of these is true. A, women store more percent body fat than men because they eat more calories per kilogram of lean body mass than men. Or B, do women store more percent body fat than men even though they eat about the same calories per kilogram of lean body mass as men? Or C, do women store more percent body fat than men despite the fact that they eat less calories per kilogram of lean body mass than men? You'll get the right answer at the end of the show, but before that, we'll be back after the break on Dr. Doctor with Monica Ashauer and the theology of the body and my body, my identity. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor, where we have today Monica Ashauer. She's a graduate of the University of Dallas. Uh, she has a, a master's in theological studies and a master's in humanities. She's the president, international speaker, and content creation director for the Theology of the Body evangelization team known as Tobet. She's the author of 28 books. 28 is a perfect number, by the way, like six. Anyway, including the internationally disseminated The Body Matters, a curriculum for preschool through high school students based on none other than St. John Paul's Theology of the Body. She was named one of the top 20 Catholic women speakers and has spoken at the last four Catholic Medical Association national conferences and was recently published in the Lineker Quarterly. Monica, welcome to Dr. Doctor. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Tom and Chris, for bringing me on. Yeah, so, thank you for giving us some of your some of your time and some of your expertise on the body, as it were. Yeah, which is something we take care of every day. So doctors like Chris and me often talk and think about patients' bodies. Who knew? In terms of how well they're operating according to the creator's specifications. But your main idea is talking about what the body means. Explain that concept to us. Well, uh, I get it from Pope John Paul. I, the t term he coined, I would call the language of the body. It's very different, I think, from body language. That's like my own idiosyncrasies. But language of the body, I would say, means the objective truth of God's design for the body. And so when I give talks to little ones or the fifth grade book is called The Body Speaks a Language, the mantra is certain bodily actions mean certain things. So we know what a punch means. You know, we, you doctors know what a stomach ache means. Uh, and so that's what I was trying to bring to doctors. Like if you help them to understand the meaning behind their aches and pains, they're going to be more um, owning the truth that their body uh, is the way I look at it. 
You know, I think listeners will be fascinated, the ones that don't know, but it's not as though St. Pope John Paul said one day, I think I'll write a book and call it Theology of the Body. Maybe you could give us just a little background uh, for listeners. What are we talking about when we say we get this from John Paul II? Great. That's a great question. Um, at the beginning of his pontificate, uh, he became Pope when I was in seventh grade, 1979. <laughs> and uh, what he did was he gave us the theology of the body. Actually, I think he became Pope 78. In Correct. September 5th, 1979 through November 28, 1984, he gave weekly audiences and they're becoming, it's well known as the theology of the body. Here's my book is kind of falling apart, but this is a compilation of 133 talks by Pope John Paul. And uh, that's what people mean by the theology of the body. He actually named it man and woman. He created them, which is from Genesis 1 27. And many people think it's, you know, just about sexuality and marriage. It is not. It is so much broader, so much richer than all of that. And that's why I've had to write so many books. Uh, <laughs> me as a single woman, uh, never been married and, you know, never had children, but I live the theology of the body, and I think you doctors can really help disseminate theology of the body just by living your practice properly as a good doctor. Now, some would say that, you know, us Christians, we stumble a bit when we try to talk about the body. Medical people are otherwise, as opposed to talking about our souls uh, or our spirits. Why is that? Why do we, why do we struggle to talk about the body? Well, I think, um, I mean, it's a whole, whole number, many answers. We could go through the historical answer, you know, things like that. What I'm wondering is if people saw the secularization that was coming, like in the early 1900s, and so we wanted to make sure that we all remembered that we are gods, we have a spirit. You know, uh, Pope, Pope Benedict Emeritus, he says that the soul is nothing other than that space, you might say, where God loves us, and then we are meant to love in return. So isn't that an important concept? But I think Pope John Paul saw the fact that our culture, we think maybe glorifies the body, and it does with tattoos and all sorts of like various things. But if we as Catholic Christians, as Christians in general, don't start talking about the body, I think we're going to lose another generation. What I, what I say in my talks is how many times does he use the word soul in the theology of the body? 55 times. How about spirit? 91 times. How about body? The answer is 1,319 times. I think that shows you that he saw that we needed to talk about the body and the body's meaning. Okay, so you talk about the body being our identity. What does that mean? And then what is the role for the soul in our identity? Great. So um, in the back of all of these books, so these are the Body Matters books, um, my team and I realized like we needed to put a definition of the word body because otherwise people will think we're materialists. But what we say here is that Jesus Christ himself says this is my body. And so mm -hmm. that's how we mean body. Pope John Paul says the body is a revelation of the person. He'll say, look, a body that reveals the person. I think, in my opinion, he's getting away from the Cartesian, Rene Descartes, the um, dualism, where we have mm -hmm. to say body and soul. Instead, let's see ourselves as a body person so that even in our lingo, we don't have to like say body and soul. We just say our we are body persons. We are people who are subjects of our own lives, meant to follow Jesus Christ um, for now and all eternity. So I hope that answers your questions, Tom. So we're body persons, but um, uh, angels are nobody persons, right? <laughs> They're That's nobodies, good. right? I mean, literally. We are nobodies. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't think pure to have one. I hope this uh, doesn't play on the Feast of the Archangels. You might be no. haunted by them by saying that. <laughs> what I would say is, <laughs> what I would say is, um, you know, God created the angels and Great. how wonderful they are, um, only spirit. But you know what? Some people say um, this is not public revelation. It's private revelation. So people don't have to believe it. But some sure. people say that the reason why Satan fell is because God showed him that angels would have to serve 
humans and that the son of God would become human and they would have to worship this body person, Jesus Christ. And he's like, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm out. The body is so bad. So you might consider Ah. that um, interesting um, uh, private revelation. So isn't calling the body my identity, can that sound like the opposite era of Descartes, who basically said the soul was our identity? How is it not the opposite? Yeah, great, great question. Um, and then that's where the word body needs to be clarified. So we Catholics, we take a sacramental view of reality so seriously, or we ought to. So in my opinion, the theology of the body is meant to have us understand the truth of who we are and you can't know your identity unless you know that the visible matters and then that gets us in touch with the invisible so that's the definition of a sacrament a visible sign of this invisible reality which brings about that reality so i hope that answers that so you know if we if we fast forward to sort of uh pop culture of of the moment um and this idea that the body matters how does that interact with or or not interact with this idea that, well, my body's one thing, but I can decide that I'm actually something else. It sort of, it sort of gets to the Michael Knowles, what is a woman? Um, That requires a a body. Um, But how do those, how do those two work? Right. Uh, That's a great question, Chris, because, um, so it's TOB 59, I think it's 59.3. Pope John Paul says the statement that he wrote in the early 80s, In the Theology of the Body, he says that man, and he means men and women, no longer identifies himself with his own body. And how terrible is that? So if we don't identify with our own body and all I go by are the feelings, I would say nowadays it's not even soul, it's my feelings that take Mm -hmm. precedence over my body, how am I going to know my identity? So I, I don't mean to push it so much that my body, my identity, unless you understand the word body in a sacramental way, which includes the whole person. Pope John Paul says the body is like a sacrament. It's this visible sign that is meant to reveal the entire person. And that's the way that um, if if we help children, especially to understand that, then I think we're going to prevent a lot of crazy ideas that are coming along that maybe we'll talk about in, in a moment. Well, and that brings us to, you talk about John Paul looking at detachment as a vice, Instead of detachment from material things, he's talking about something else. What is that? Yeah, so John of the Cross says detached from pride, materialism. Pope John Paul uses the detachment, the word detachment in a different way. It means that we don't think the body has meaning. We don't think the body matters. And so I think this is his diagnosis of here and now, our modern person. And it's very ironic because when I used to give talks over 12 years ago, I would say that, you know, the Protestants um, emphasize only the spiritual, only the soul. By the way, I have really good Protestants. And then it used to be, I think, the body only, not as a sacrament, but the body, the physicality only. And I I was saying that TOB brought it together. But now what has happened is now even the secularists think the body is an enemy to my freedom. This is from R.R. Reno and First Things Magazine. The body is an enemy to my freedom if I don't get to manipulate it, to cut it up, to do whatever I want with it. That is what detachment is, that we don't see the body as a revelation of the person, even myself. I see it as something I can manipulate, like an object, which is a really essential part of the theology of the body. Yeah, you know, we sometimes as Catholics get, uh, you know, maybe get an unfair rap about being sort of anti-beauty of the body, uh, um, which, which is hardly unfair if you look at our art and, uh, and statuary and such. But speak a little bit to this idea of, of how wonderfully John Paul could describe the human body in beautiful terms. Uh, I, I can't think he was talking about mine when he did that, but but apparently <laughs> he, could, uh, he could he could see that he could see the beauty in everything, but most especially the human person. Yes, indeed. I would say, Chris, everybody is beautiful. Uh, although, what he would say about women is our most obvious feature is beauty. So sorry about that, guys. Uh, but your most obvious feature is strength. And so there you go. What, but let's, let's talk about that idea of the body being um, 
this this revelation of beauty. One of the things that Pope John Paul did in his pontificate is he went to the Sistine Chapel, and in the Sistine Chapel, he said, nope. We are going to do away with the fig leaves. Get them off. <laughs> that's the way they originally were. And you know what he yes. renamed? He renamed the Sistine Chapel the, uh, what does he call it? Something like the Sanctuary of the Theology of the Body. Isn't that crazy? Oh. Yeah. He got, a fair amount of, he got a fair amount of poor press over that, I think, didn't he? <laughs> I'm sure he did. Because how could nakedness reveal the person or what he says is reveals God. But that leads us like to Genesis 2.25, where he says, the meaning of life is Genesis 2.25. You know what that is? They were naked and unashamed. When I've given permission to talk to teenagers who are older, I'll say that. And one boy once raised his hand, he goes, man, was the Pope on drugs when he wrote that? (laughs) (laughs) How could naked and unashamed be the meaning of life? Well, it's because it was before the fall. Before the fall, Adam and Eve saw each other's body as a revelation of each other. And therefore, they knew the meaning of life. They knew that they were similar enough to each other, human, but distinct from, from each other, male and female, that the meaning of life is love. And Pope John Paul says that's the gift of self, this giving, this receiving, and being open to others, which is why in the Theology of the Body, he says that, that marriage is the best natural sign and participation in God's very inner life of love. Man, that just kind of blows my mind and the mind of many people who hear a lot of my talks. So what kind of errors do people fall into in the secular society because they're detached from their bodies? Yeah, so secular society, um, you name, I mean, Tom, you name anything that is in the area of sexuality that it's against the church's teaching, there it is. Whether it's sterilization, in vitro, in vitro fertilization, you know, whether it is, um, uh, I don't want to say tattooing, That's in the, it's similar, but it's um, not, you know, intrinsically evil. But, you know, things like right. contraception, abortion. Notice every single one of those violates the truth and meaning of the body. And therefore, if it violates the truth of the body, it has to violate the person because the body reveals the entire person. Pretty you profound. Go a little bit further in your talk, and you say that even we Christians are somewhat detached from our bodies. And this leads to a, a different uh, planet plea of errors. Yeah, I, I, w- I would say so. I mean, so many times we Christians, like we have forgotten that the body matters and we, we set it aside. Um, you know, what I think about in particular is for the Catholic Christians who go into church and it used to be we would kneel, genuflect on our right knee. And now you right. look and most people don't know to do that. They don't know to. I, I give talks to 36 engaged couples, my team and I, every month for the forward diocese. They don't know to dip their hand in holy water when I take them into the chapel. Right. They don't know what this is all about. They don't know that the sanctuary lamp you know, shows that Christ mm-hmm. is bodily present there. And so all of these things I say are because of detachment. And um, so that's what we have to counter in our church and in secular society. Well, you know, with our craze over sort of the, the what some would say is the, the the fluidity of gender, that's really the opposite, isn't it? Or the ultimate detachment. You're saying, well, that's the body I have, but I've decided for whatever reason it actually doesn't matter. I'm I'm going to make it something else. It seems like that's the extreme conclusion along this this line, and and then that makes sort of affirming these gender confused states seem even worse. Yeah, agreed, Chris. I mean, this is why when I gave the talk um, this time to to the doctors, I say that y'all are evangelists just by doing your job. And, And another way of saying that is when you bring to light the truth of the body, then people are gonna know, oh, I'm an embodied spirit. I'm an ensouled person. Uh, with the body. And, and so I think that's so significant with regard to your work um, as medical doctors. And then, you know, what, when y'all come up to the, the Tobit, you know, I run Tobit, the Algebra Body Evangelization Team, when y'all come up to the vendor booth and you see like one doctor, uh, Mikey, he, he had bought some of my books and he's like, oh my gosh, when I first read your little board books, for little ones, you know, one to four year olds, he thought that they were good. And then he saw the trajectory. 
he saw that what that was doing is it, he, in his daughter's imagination, she was beginning to see, oh, my body does matter. And so it's going to thwart any secular attempt, we hope, that to take his, his daughter away from the truth of who she is in Jesus Christ. Let's not forget that the center of our faith, we might say, is a body, the body of Christ. And so how, um, how crazy it is that this transgenderism is really affecting people nowadays. And I feel so sorry for you doctors. Like, how do y'all do it? You know, when people come in and they say they're the opposite sex, um, you know, I just don't know how you, you know, begin to treat them um, with, with things like that. Well, and sadly, the profession now would say we shouldn't treat them because it's okay. Whatever they think they are, they are, as opposed to giving someone who is struggling with what is a mental illness, instead of giving them care, we're affirming their pathology, which is uh, is another whole realm of sadness, I think. Yeah. So I sad. think the place that I am most interested in going, and we'll probably get in a little bit now and then after the break, but how can you keep saying that you doctors can be evangelizers for this in their practice? How? What does that look like? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, the great thing is that you just are the best doctor you are. You know, in the documents of Vatican II, it, it speaks about the um, the autonomy of the temporal order, and that basically means is you learn how best to examine the body of your patient. And one of the things I um, said in my talk at the CMA is make sure that you don't objectify the body. Now, there's a certain, I think you need to abstract when you do surgery, because otherwise you might start crying, like I'm cutting into this person. <laughs> so there's a, that sort of distancing. But one of the things I gave to them, and many doctors came up to me after my talk, and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so revolutionary. And it's like this tiny thing. Instead of saying something like, what are your symptoms or how are you feeling today? direct their attention to their own body. What is your body teaching you today? Mm. You know, what are the symptoms coming that you could, that your body's letting you know, you know, why are you here in my office? It must be something about your body telling you something. Mm. You see, you see that um, now with medical professionals who are more into psychology and counseling, there, there might be a different approach, but I would even say to them, make sure to integrate, you know, our psyche, our spirit, as well as our body, all together in one person. I want to delve more into that, but we need to take a break right now, or about halfway through, and I want to come back and go really deep into what you just said, Monica, here on Dr. Doctor. Well, welcome back to Dr. Doctor, and welcome back to more discussions of the body and its theology. You know, Monica, listening to you, I'm an obstetrician, and I'm reminded that very often in our specialty, we're trying to convince women to trust their body and to listen to it, that they're designed to give birth. You could be an accountant if you want to, but you're designed to give birth. Um, and and it, it really is, you know, it comes off as probably being secular advice, but that's not really what we're thinking. Um, but I know a few things more beautiful, and I'm a little biased, um, than watching birth happen. But a woman does have to trust her design and sometimes get out of the way of the design a little bit. Um, do you do you feel like that fits with the theology of the body? Yes, indeed, um, I do. Um, the the more we pay attention to the what the body is telling us, then the more we're going to be able to um, identify with our own body, and also then um, figure out how to act. So, you know it. When I give talks and I'll say, um, you know, what is your body telling you? When I start getting to the teenagers, I know I have to watch out because the guy's <laughs> going through you. and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm listening to my body. Um, and so then we have to bring in self-mastery. So let's make sure that we bring up that caveat. Um, another way of saying that is we virtue, you know, the right time, the right place and the right way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's in my first grade book mm. in, because we're saying the body is teaching you something, but then... Um, Pope John Paul speaks also about the inner movements of the heart, like recognizing them and evaluating them. So we're not setting aside the heart 100%, but at the same time, what you're saying to those women who, um, you know, listen to their body and trust their body, I think that's really, really good. Uh, you know, other things might say something like um, when you're talking to a patient, let's say they're, they're, they're suffering from something like um, so there's some sort of fear 
And so you might ask them, like, what happens with your body when you are um, experiencing that fear? And so it, there's a way of getting deeper into the truth of who we are. I know of one psychologist, he once said to someone, um, let's say, he was saying something about um, my father. I wanted to get back to my father. There were some, some, you know, dad issues. And so I took a bat and I wanted to hit him. And you know what the doctor said? What part of the body did you hit him on? <laughs> I'm like, tell me more. And why, why was he saying that? And, and this is Dr. Bob Schutz. who was basically saying, because oh, if you only oh. hit him on the shoulder, yeah, he's great. If you only hit him on the shoulder, you don't want to kill him. So it just shows like you just wanted to wake him up. You see, so various like little small things, indicators like that, I think might help a doctor in his or her practice. What are some other ways that people that we don't listen to our bodies that we might notice better? <laughs> yeah. So um, if you're like me, the other day I was so busy, I couldn't eat or I forgot to eat rather. And then all of a sudden I started kind of getting a little bit dizzy. And I'm like, wait a second, I didn't listen to my body when I needed to get nourishment. You know, I, I didn't want to listen to my body because I'm involved in a movie that I don't want to go to bed, you know. So it's all the time that we're not listening to our body as a good teacher. Not to say that the body sometimes doesn't like say the, the opposite of what we should do. But I think we should first say trust our bodies before we get to the caveats of, of self-mastery and virtue. So how do we know when our body's being a good teacher? <laughs> well, th that's when we would talk, I think, about objective truth. So okay. the problem is, you know, some people, like let's say a person who um, is experiencing SSA, same-sex attraction. Mm -hmm. So what, one of the things we might um, help him or her, let's say it's a man, to understand is the truth of the body shows that two men are not designed to be together in that sexual manner. Two women are not designed in that sexual manner. And so even though I might have those feelings toward the same sex, that's when we're like, okay, maybe there, there's something that is um, giving me the wrong indication. And so then abstinence, of course, would be, um, you know, the, the struggle, it's usually a struggle, but, yes. you know, some of my friends, Emmanuel Gonzalez, he's just amazing. He went and lived the lifestyle and then came back and realized that, his body wasn't made that way. And now he's a great Catholic giving talks to, to young people around the country talking about it's possible to be chased. So, Monica, a question that I had that I thought of after putting together most of them is this. Truth used to be deductive, objective, and transcendental. But now we live in what uh, Michael Warsaw called at our conference in Denver, a post-truth society. So many, especially the young, see truth as the opposite. They see it as inductive based on experiences, subjective and experiential. So in, in such a culture, what does the theology of the body have to offer to bring such skeptics and cynics to see the beauty of the truth of what the body is? I, I'm so glad you asked that question because Pope John Paul is a philosopher, a phenomenologist. Right. And yes. what that means is experience matters. So in the very first part of the theology of the body, it's just so smart of him. What he does is he speaks about the second creation story. That's the one where Adam, the way he puts it is Adam yeah. is in search of his identity. Hmm. And so Pope John Paul yeah. doesn't discount experience. He doesn't discount our um, subjective understanding of things. So he says that that creation story is more of the experiential one. Um, but the first one, the first chapter, those are the days of creation. That's when he says those are the objective truth. And so in my mind, he's setting up the whole theology of the body at the very beginning by showing these two stories in Genesis don't contradict each other. They complement each other, just like male and female. And so he even wow. says there's one one, one phrase, he says something to the effect of um, the objective truth ought to be experienced in its fullness. I think that's one of his pontificate main themes mm. is that so many, can you imagine him like poor father Wojtyla, these couples are like, you're kidding me. Like we're supposed to not contracept. No, that's impossible. And he's basically saying, no, no, no. God's truth, God's objective truth can be lived by each subject 
And by the way, you will experience freedom. Freedom is another big theology of the body concept that he gives to us. And so he's trying to show both of those can be wed together and both are important. You know, Monica, we've had several guests talk about uh, the evils of pornography and screen addiction uh, and the like. But in, in trying to think of medical problems from a theology of the body perspective, it makes it makes pornography seem even worse because it's it's that detachment. It's really the de depersonification of that person. All there is is the body. There's nothing else. And then that reminds me of, uh, because of my practice, I see young women, you know, young adolescents, immediate post-adolescent women that are really struggling with body image problems because of these images that are, that are portrayed by the secular society. How do we speak better to that uh, from a theology of the body standpoint? Yeah, so um, Pope John Paul, he actually, in the third chapter of the theology of the body, no, the second chapter of the theology of the body, he actually calls it an appendix. It's between the second and third chapter. He calls pornography, porn of vision. And what he says is ultimately that when we objectify the truth of the body, he calls it anonymity, anonymity. And what he means by that is, when a person reveals his body, especially in nakedness, he ought to be treasured. He ought to be, um, you know, like a, like a husband loving his wife. Mm. And so he says the wrong uh, porn of vision is the fact that no one knows that person. No oh. one knows those people. Um, it, it is this objectification, as you said, Chris, of the mm. person. And so then we relate it to us women. Like when we women have to compete with um, this pornography, sure. because most pornography is done by computers now. And did you know what? that over, yeah, it's, they're fake women. <laughs> oh my over, gosh. Over 80% of pornography now is also violent. Mm. And so what is that doing? It's training the brain to objectify someone. And so um, with Pope John Paul, he, um, you know, he helps to show it's not the body that is wrong, the naked body. It's the anonymity. And so, you know, you might say this to, um, like I say to engaged couples, like, when can you be naked and unashamed? Well, you doctors, you're one because we trust you. Okay. We trust that you're not going to objectify us when we go into your room. So you have to guard your mind and your hearts with regard to that. But then Amen. the other place is in the bedroom with a husband and a wife. They could be naked and unashamed because they know each other. And they know their bodies say, I am a gift to give and a gift to receive. But one more thing, because, you know, some people struggle. So many good Catholics struggle with pornography. So what I always say um, in, in my talks is like it can be overcome through grace. The way Pope John Paul puts it when he's talking about sins in the theology of the body is he says the Holy Spirit is meant to have an alliance with the human spirit in the heart. Mm -hmm. He speaks about the heart as a battlefield between good and evil. And he says, let love win. <laughs> it's because the third person of the Blessed Trinity the giver of life and love can win out if we allow him to. It's just a fascinating part of the theology of the body. So, Monica, I was uh, kind of fascinated by one of the slides from your talk where you say, be where your body is. How can we not be where our body is? What are you talking about? Uh, let me quiz you two men. Uh, did you ever tune out when I was speaking just now? Uh, you were thinking about what's the next question. You were looking at me, but in a sense, you weren't where your body was. So sorry to turn it on you, Tom. Uh, so another way of saying this is sure. the, the body speaks a language. And so if I'm looking at someone who is body to body present with me, and by the way, I love using that term body to body. Now, if you say it to teenagers, they'll sexualize it, and so will others. But I say it to my special needs nephew, Nikki. Nikki, we're body to body. Put away your phone. We're body to body. I was body. just thinking that when you said that, I was immediately thinking of devices because that's something you're doing. You're the body that says, I'm actually not here. I'm actually somewhere else, or at least I'd that's like right. to be somewhere else. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so we put those away. 
And so then we could be bodily present. Like another thing I say to parents, I gave a talk last night to parents, like 50 of them. And I'll say, one of the best gifts that you give your children is your bodily presence, your undistracted bodily presence. I think that is so profound. We also say it in some of the Body Matters books, those uh, those 18 books that I've written for children. We help them to like know to set aside um, social um, devices when, when they're, they divide rather than when they join together. So hopefully that answers the question about um, bodily presence and be where your body is. I think it does. I'm curious, what other comments did physicians have after the talks you've given the last four years at the CMA conference? What did they benefit from? You mentioned Mikey, but what are some others? Yeah. So uh, one woman came up and she, she asked like, what about psychology? You know, what about something like that? And so that's when um, I would talk more. I, I mentioned just earlier, Pope John Paul speaks about the inner movements of the heart. And so I, I think um, counselors, psychologists, what they could do is they can help the person go deeper into the heart and they will find wounds there. That's why they're, they're there in counseling, I'm, I'm expecting. And so, right. and then for them to like identify the wounds and then, you know, speak the truth there because so many times our wounds are because someone else viewed us in the wrong way. <laughs> and so for him or her to speak the truth into those wounds, really powerful. You know, um, the, the Anima Christie prayer, I love that yes. prayer. It took a different flavor for me when I read Mother Mary Francis. I'm pretty sure it's the book, uh, Right to be Mary, M-E-R-R-Y. And yes. it's about religious life. And what yes. she says is she says that in your wounds, hide me. Think about you doctors. If you pray this in your wounds, hide me. She says, what you're asking for is to be balm for people to help heal them because you're asking to be in the wounds of Jesus Christ. And by extension, all of us are the mystical body of Christ. So you're basically saying, I would like to heal these people. How profound that is what you could do when you interact with your patients. In your wounds, heal me. Yeah, I've always had a devotion to the wound in the side of Christ. And I remember St. Anthony used to talk about that. He had a special devotion there, too. And I think he prayed that prayer specifically about being hidden in that wound of Christ. And that struck me for some reason, even at a at a young age. That's pretty yeah. profound, Monica. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, was it St. Justin who said, um, by your very nakedness, you healed us. Mm. In other words, he was naked and unashamed. He was totally integrated body and soul, and it was his body, by his bodily gift of self, he saves all of us. By his stripes, we are healed. So I would agree with you, Tom. Isaiah, a fundamental question I forgot to ask. How does theology of bodies see sex and gender as different or not different? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I'll just quote Ryan Anderson. Um, mm -hmm. He's of EPPC. And what he says is sex is the biological um, dimension or something like that. And then gender is the social expression. And what I say is theology, the body brings those both together. Mm. So, um, you know, to say another way of saying this is for us to approach people who are um, struggling with identity, especially transgenderism, just to say, yes. look at your body. Don't you see? You're a man. You have a male body. Now, that's what I emphasize because I don't think we emphasize that. We sure. can also say, no matter what you do, no matter the social expression, you're doing it in a masculine way because yeah. that is your deepest identity, being this child of God who is meant for love. So that's what I think um, needs to be said to, to um, especially young people nowadays, not one extreme, not the other. So I, I think those two together are really good, what Ryan Anderson has given to us. You know, I, I sometimes struggle with maybe the reconciliation of, um, I understand the body uh, expresses what it is, so to speak, uh, but what if the body's mutilated? What uh, what if because of cancer, uh, the the genitalia are destroyed, or or a serious burn? There's still something that's intrinsically male and female, even if it isn't visually recognizable. Is that is that fair to say? 
Yeah, I think it's not only fair, but really important to say, because, um, you know, I'm, I really speak to a lot of teenagers, middle schoolers, and high schoolers. Um, and if they keep hearing the body reveals the person, body reveals the person, and then they see a handicapped person, yeah. somebody in a wheelchair, someone maimed, they might take that right. in a literalization way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that you point that out. It, it's more like if you have a human body, no matter what it looks like, you are human and you are male or female. You know, we could get into, um, you know, there, there's only 2% of people who are born, they're born with some sort of defect, you know, whether it's uh, Down syndrome or Kinerfelter's syndrome. Is that how you say that? Yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. And, and others like that. And so, you know, that that's more complex. But this woman came up, she came up to after my talk and she's like, I hate it that people use that transgender stuff when my son is suffering from, what's it called? Uh, 47XXY, which is fine. Yeah. And so she's like, just because he does that, like doctors Mm. figure it out. He just needs these hormones and then he's fine. And so she doesn't want these exceptions to the rule Mm -hmm. to be used for the transgender ideology. However, what you're pointing out, Chris, is the exceptions to the rule don't take away from the dignity of the human person. Yeah. Pope John Paul says every person deserves a response of love. And that's our last minute, Monica. What resources way. do you recommend for parents and what do you recommend for healthcare professionals? Great. So uh, for sure, for parents, uh, the body matters books. So tobit.org, theology of the body evangelization, T O B E T.org. And you know what, for you physicians, I would get Christopher West's newest book called the eclipse of the body, because you're going to deal a whole lot with this transgender issue. And so eclipse of the body, I think helps you to maybe talk to your um, patients about how they might view themselves, especially when they're, they're wondering about their sex, their identity. Beautiful. Thanks for being with us, Monica. I think listeners are going to love this. Well, I love being on it. So thank you so much. Yep. And God bless you so much, um, Tom and Chris. Take care. God bless you and your work. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor and a discussion of theology of the body. But right now we're going to discuss the answer to this episode's medical trivia question that has to do with sex differences and metabolism of all things. Are sex differences real in metabolism? So which of the following three statements is true about women? Women do store more percent body fat. Is it because they eat more calories per kilogram of uh, muscle? Is it because despite the fact that they eat the same amount of calories as men, or is it despite the fact that they actually eat less calories per kilogram of lean body mass, that is muscle, than men? Well, the answer is C. Life is not fair. So even though women do eat less than men per, you know, kilogram of muscle, they still store more percent body fat. And that's just the way we're made. I don't know. What would you say, Chris? <laughs> well, I would say that's just the way we're made. Um, and, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I've spent the better part of almost 30 years um, studying women and their physiology and their metabolism, especially their reproductive metabolism. And uh, women, I can tell you, you're much more interesting than men. Uh, so, <laughs> Oh, amen to that. <laughs> right. If, if you're penalized a little bit on the metabolism, it's okay. You win in so many other areas that uh, don't feel defeated. Yeah. It, in this, in this uh, report on that, it said that even in the first half of pregnancy, women increase their uh, percent body fat without any increase in energy intake. And it must have something to do, some protective effect in pregnancy. I don't know, Chris, is that possible? I wonder, but but what I where I thought you were going with that is the more I think about questions like that in light uh, of our guest and theology yes. of the body, it just reminds me of how terrible it is in the popular culture to try to make men and women the same. Oh, um, we yes. could not be more different. Um, we're we're you know we're made in the image and likeness of our Creator, but at the same time we're radically different, equal but not same. Um, Correct, and and that difference. Well, that should be celebrated, not it shouldn't be argued with. We Celebrate diversity, to, right, Chris? <laughs> right. We shouldn't negate that. It's what our creator had in mind. So, Chris, top three takeaways from Monica. Well, you know, we've had a good guest 
when we struggle to get only three top three takeaways, right? <laughs> That's um, right. I, I think my favorite is this idea that she expressed for healthcare workers, she said in general, I mean, more specifically, but that, that we can be evangelists just by doing our job well and doing it properly, that if we can treat patients uh, and we can treat their body as an expression of their person uh, and not as an object that that needs to be sewn or cut on or, or treated with a salve, but we're actually treating a person that we're being evangelists. Um, and I think that could be very motivating, whether you're a dentist or a nurse or a podiatrist or, or Tom, even a dermatologist. Even, even, yes. <laughs> uh, the next one of my three, uh, I can't wait to get to tobet.org. Uh, listeners, check out that website. I'm thinking we might spend a lot of time there. And, and then, and then lastly, uh, I really loved her description around uh, this idea of listen to your body. What's it telling you? If you're angry, if you're afraid, if you're hurting, what's your body trying to tell you? Because it's telling you something. Uh, can you figure that out uh, and then use that, use that knowledge for good? Well put together, Chris. Thank you, listeners, for being with us for yet another episode of Dr. Doctor. You can find this and all old episodes on our website, drdoctor.org, and you can just click on episode archives and search over 280 episodes by topic or guest. And now for some reason, if you'd like to see us as well as listen to us, I can't exactly understand why you'd want to do that. You can just click on the YouTube link near the top of the homepage at drdoctor.org. And if you have a question or you have something you'd like us to, to cover and talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Click on submit a question. This is Dr. Tom McGovern. And this is Dr. Chris Stroud. We're signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Doctor Show and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Plus, find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.